0: The following is presented to you in a round sound. It was
1: recorded with whatever was lying around.
0: Let mm-hmm. She insist on respect the sister walk around like a woman. She won't speak less of something worse saying, Don't play. The girl takes herself so seriously. People stare curiously. she got a natural way, her hips sway furiously. Luxuriously. Carries herself like the cutest, most purtiest thing this side of the bay.
1: Hey, this is Lady Don't Take No, your weekly roundup of all of the real and none of the fake. I'm your host, Alicia Garza. This show is pro-black, pro-queer, proudly feminist, and pro-do what you like. Every week, you are going to get the best of what goes on in my head, what we loving on, and what we hating on, what we might be, and what we ain't going to do. Politics, pop culture, that new Drake album, and whether or not it's a hit or a miss—we cover it all. We know that no matter where you are, it's a challenging time. It's a changing time. It's a time of transformation. It's all the things all the time nowadays. But we are going to help you understand the dynamics of this time every single week. So be sure to tune in, tell a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We do it for the culture so the pod is free 99 because we know that with a country in chaos, the least we could do is keep you from putting your money anywhere else than where it's needed. I am so excited about our guest this week. Her name is Amanda brown Learman, and she is the executive director at Supermajority and Supermajority Education Fund. And you are going to hear more about Supermajority in our talk. Now, Amanda's resume is simply incredible. From working on President Obama's transition team to the development of Rock the Vote's online voter registration tool, which was used by 2.5 million young people during her tenure. That's amazing. Her Instagram bio says, Maker of Good Trouble, and I would say she is a maker of the best kind of trouble. Please enjoy my conversation with Amanda Brown Lehrman. It is lovely to have you on the podcast today. We're so excited to have you joining us. And I got to ask you, because in the midst of trying to, you know, be outside in the summer, we are still, contrary to popular opinion, in a pandemic. So I have to ask you, what has your pandemic life been like? And have you developed any unique habits live and direct from Miss Rona?
0: Oh, my goodness. That is such a good question. I'm also so excited to be here and was like, can we curse on this podcast you or not? Can. You
1: <laughs> <Okay>. motherfucking can. <laughs> the
0: title and is I, misleading,
1: Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer it, to be
0: honest. <laughs> um, perfect, perfect. My parents sometimes get mad at me about um, saying, the, saying fuck, but yeah, here no. we go. A perfectly dropped F-bomb is fine with me. <laughs> um, I love it. My I use it so often that my children now can do the like perfectly executed F-bomb. Nice. Um, nice. I'm like, Belle, please <laughs> do not say that at school on Monday. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been, I mean, the pandemic life has been wild times over here. We I have three children under the age of five. So this whole like, when we felt like things were getting back to normal, I was just like, hold on. Like we're not, my children are still not vaccinated. (laughs) And of course we, we somehow survived not getting COVID this entire time until, you know, a month ago, we all got hit. Everyone in my family, with the exception of my husband, Kyle. And I was like, is this what white privilege gets you? (laughs) I know. (laughs) I was so angry about it, but, um, it's been, um, yeah, a wild time with, you know, limited childcare options and like trying to work from home, taking on, you know, a big new job even here at Supermajority and have so many funny, I guess, moments with, you know, my children being at home and having to work with like naked children running through <laughs> with the back of a Zoom. Or um, I remember nursing Leah on a call with then Senator Kamala Harris. Um, but go. she did like an event for us and I was just like, I'm sorry, my child needs to eat right now. <laughs> so I will keep her quiet by putting her on a boob. Um, <laughs> and I had actually one of my funniest moments, Alicia, was um we were doing a a Zoom, like this virtual event that was sort of a like cocktail meant to be like a, come with the cocktail. We'll have like this evening gathering with donors. And I made this whole deal with Kyle. It's like, take the children out of the house, go to the park down the street, just like leave the house. And I hear Belle from outside of the house screaming, daddy is a monster runs oh. into the house slams the door locks the door shut and proceeds to then run up the stairs to the room that I was doing this Zoom and just screaming daddy's a monster because of whatever game they were playing oh at the park oh, but no. she had now locked Kyle out and <laughs> I was just oh, like oh my no. goodness in the middle like... of a Zoom correct so <laughs> yeah and like my maybe my skill has just been learning to deal with those moments of like children um, interrupting
1: For folks who are listening, what you don't know, although you may have gleaned from this conversation so far, is that Amanda is not only the head of supermajority, but she is indeed a supermom. Having three kids under the age of five... It is true. Ain't no fucking joke. Ain't no fucking (laughs) joke. And running a badass organization. So let me just start off by saying, Amanda... I, 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 it's almost like I don't even know where to start. Amanda brown Learman is the HBIC at Supermajority, which is an organization that I helped to start with hell other brilliant, badass women, including ai Pooh Poo and Cecile Richards, both of whom have been previous guests on this pod. Today, I want to take you all behind the scenes at Supermajority. I mean, yes, us co-founding ladies had an awesome idea, but if we're telling the whole entire truth, Amanda is the one who is moving the organization day to day. And when brilliant Black women are handling business, it's important for us to stop and listen to what they got to say. So, Amanda, tell me a little bit about what you were doing before you came on to lead the team at Supermajority. How'd you get involved in politics? And more
0: importantly, why did you decide to get involved? Um, Okay. I'm like, how far back are we going right now? (laughs) I... I had, you'll actually appreciate this because I had my first like girl crush and first also just real experience with, um, death and loss in college. And it was, I had this friend. I saw her, we like got on campus together um, in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire. She was this beautiful, just like you could tell, had all of these opinions, had all of this sass about her and this beautiful confidence. She's from Berkeley, of course. Of course. Um, And every stereotype about, yeah, a woman like HBIC from Berkeley was her, you know? And I was just like, I'm gonna make that girl my friend. And we proceeded to spend countless hours you know talking about the world talking about injustice talking about our role and what we could do to fight back against injustice and i was i was really shy and she helped me not only just like come into my own but really start to form my own opinions and she was like literally this like angel that god just put in my life to help me really understand like who i am and who i wanted to be and she very sadly, was was um, shot and killed our sophomore year in college, and I had no idea how to process that. Um, you know, I was 19 years old at the time and had just lost literally my best friend um, and this person who I thought I was going to go change the world with and that sort of like partner in crime that I, you know, my entire life's future like revolved around this one human. Mm. And so I was devastated, um, so devastated that I, you know, almost like failed out of school. My parents were like, get your shit together, Amanda. Mm. If you need to take a break from school, let's do that. But like, do not fail out of college um, and had some some hard, you know, real like truth talk with me. And I ended up leaving school, taking a a term off to, and like getting this internship with the Brady campaign. And I was just like, I am going to Washington, DC. I am getting guns off of the streets and out of the hands of people who do not need to be, you know, holding a gun. And that's my life. I'm I'm here, I like, I'm 19 years old and I've discovered my passion. How lucky am I to be able to like have this opportunity? So I move into um, my grandparents' house here in D.C. because you cannot be an intern in Washington, D.C. So I like move in with my grandparents. And um, my internship felt like fell through at the last minute. And I was just like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I applied to every internship on the Hill and literally stumbled upon an internship with the Obama campaign. So again, like this is God showing up in my life you know, luck happens after hard work. And I had done a lot of hard work to like make sure that this all, you know, came together and um, had, you know, this weird experience being an intern um, on the Hill was just like, this is what congressional gridlock, you can't get anything done here. And this was 2005. Like, oh my goodness, how things have changed and it's so much worse now. But yeah, she was really my inspiration then and has continued to be my inspiration in, all things and this idea that a person, myself, can be an agent of change and can, you know, take some small step every single day to try to make the world a little bit better for someone else. Like that's all we can do, right? Um, And she's always been that sort of just like shining example of what hope looks like for me. And I oftentimes in times of, I don't know, struggle or, honestly despair. I'm like, what would Malaya do right mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really beautiful because I've now I've named my second daughter Leia. Um, her name, you know, namesake is Malaya. And Leia gives me all of the sass that Malaya used to challenges me every single day. And so I just like see and feel that legacy live on and that idea again, it's like a constant reminder of why I'm here and what I'm supposed to be doing. Um And so I've like, you know, gone on to do a couple different things. Working on the Obama campaign sort of sent me on this like roller coaster ride that I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I literally, Alicia, thought that I would go join the Obama campaign, work, you know, do the campaign for six months and then like go be work at a Starbucks before I like went back to law school, which I had deferred. And then I was like, no, you go to another state, you then go to another state, you're living with ex supporter here, just like had no idea. But so I've, you know, done my fair share working in the Obama administration, working in the progressive world and youth world, and now I guess in women's world. Um, and it's been, yeah, a really fun ride I've learned a lot met a lot of really exciting interesting people and just really enjoy being surrounded I guess by other people who are committed to that idea that the world can be better and working alongside of them every day
1: well shout out to Malaya for bringing you to us and um, may she always watch over you know, it's mind boggling to hear how much experience you have just in political campaigns, political organizing, and really in a bunch of different issues. And so given all that
0: experience, what was it about Supermajority that made you say yes? Oh my goodness. I mean, it's hard to say no to you. It's just like that wasn't even an option. It was like, um, oh, Alicia and Cecile and iGen, some of the people that I've respected for the longest are conspiring and I have a chance to be a part of it. Like, sign me up, absolutely. But I think one thing I would name too is just um, I have always navigated the world as a Black woman. Uh, You can't not, right? Um, And every my race has been such a real part of my experience in so many different ways, right? But becoming a mom was really transformational for me. And, Really opened my eyes to the gender dynamics in this country and the reality this this deep i mean not it's hard to even say it's an you know not an appreciation for women like it is a disrespect of women and the role that we play in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces, as voters in our democracy. um we do everything, and becoming a mom for me and realizing just how systems are not set up to work for women, support women, show any bit of compassion for women and the realities that we're facing and i remember actually saying to um my my husband like i'm never working on another political campaign. i was like working at the dnc which was i felt like i you know had to be a dutiful person and go spend my time there and you know pay my dues and that's what every good democrat needs to do. And it was hard and it broke me. And I was just like, I, yeah, I'm done with political campaigns, you know, except unless there's a campaign to fight for paid leave, because I will be the first person to be out there marching in these streets demanding that women have paid leave. So when Supermajority came to be in, I remember, Alicia, that one day that we spent time in this like windowless room here (laughs) in DC, like thinking about a name for Supermajority and going through so many options and then just like all having that same sort of epiphany moment of just like, no, we are the super majority. It's just like as simple as being, we're the majority and we're super and Mm -hmm. like we are the (laughs) super majority. And like, it's so obvious. And that idea that, you know, women are such innate organizers. Like we do everything and we do it well because we want to tell our stories. We want to connect. We want to, we have compassion for other people. And that's what makes a good organizer, right?
1: That's absolutely right. We
0: wouldn't like describe it as such as you know, those are our superpowers, but that's why women rule the world. And I love every single day that I get to work in work for and with an organization, but also with just with women across the country who are like stepping into that power and just sort of realizing that on their own. Um and it's really a beautiful, powerful thing. It's also you know, we're in it for the long game, um, which means that you have to sort of celebrate wins as you go. And organizing can feel so overwhelming at times, but the community that we've been able to build here is literally the thing that not just keeps me hopeful, but like keeps me going every day. (laughs)
1: So look, let's do some real talk right now, Amanda, because you and I have both been in this work for quite a while. And organizations- Like how many in, gray hairs do you have, Alicia? <laughs> a lot. I just put them in <laughs> braids so you can't see them <laughs> easily. But, you know, it's it, it, organizations grow and change. And particularly, you know, institutions, right? If they are long-lasting, we hope that they grow and change. We hope that there is new and vibrant leadership that keeps being brought in, right, to keep that organization relevant. But growing and changing is tricky. And at Supermajority, we are no stranger, right, to growing and changing. It's always tricky when a founder moves on from an organization. Some of you may have heard that Cecile Richards departed Supermajority a year and some change ago, and we all collectively, right, elevated Amanda to the helm, Now that you're there, Amanda, talk to us a little bit, because I know, because I get to work with you, but for the people who are listening who may not know Supermajority or not know Supermajority as well, tell us what's unique about your leadership and tell us about your vision for Supermajority.
0: I appreciate this question, Alicia, and the platform to talk about my own hopes and dreams for the organization, because I said it, you know, alluded to this before, just women are natural organizers. We are the leaders of our communities. We have so many stories to share, and we might not have the same experiences, but we are united in this idea that the world can be better, that the world should be better for the people that we love, for our children, for, you know, the people that are going to come behind us in so, in all of the things. And that I think makes women the most powerful agents of change in our country. And my job is to help them step into the power as change agents, but as voters. And I just so fundamentally believe in our democracy. I believe in the power of women and the fact that, you know, democracies honestly rise and fall on the backs of women. And like, I am here for women saving us time and time again. And I want to like do my part in helping more women, um, again, step into that power. And so when we first got started, we had this really clear mandate. It was like, we have you know beautiful origin story and clear enemy Donald Trump mm-hmm. get him out of office and okay i can go run an organizing campaign to make sure that we are talking to millions of women about what they need to do to you know go volunteer go join this phone bank go join this text bank to get Donald Trump out of the office and when he left and when Cecile stepped down as the ED we were in this moment facing this external reality of so much change with again, the world changing and also internal change happening. And so we did take that step and like that time to really reflect on how do we want to be showing up in the world? What is the need right now? And at the end of the day, the only way that we can win, and trust me, I've like studied the numbers, I've seen the numbers sitting in all of the different roles that I've played the way to win on issues and in elections is to have a multiracial coalition of women who vote. And it's like as simple as that. And so to build that, I'm focused on building that community, building that sort of agency and responsibility that women hold um, and helping them, again, really step into and claim that power. I do fundamentally have so much faith in voting, which I think is sometimes a hard sell for people. You know, like... We're out here every election. You say it every time, Alicia. This election is the most important election. And people are like, damn, girl, you said that four years ago. How many elections can be the most important? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And it's like, it's not hyperbole because the truth is we make progress between every election. We get more awesome people elected into office. There are then people who like need to be voted out of office and like we can do that. You know, these are referendums on the progress that we've been fighting for and building for. And so I want people to remember that. I want people to know that and to understand really what's at stake. Um, And this election, there could not be more at stake, you know, just like there are constant threats. I literally thought we were going to be here today talking about the Dobbs case and this, you know, growing, I have like Sunday night scaries every night about the weight of this case and what it will mean for women, what it will mean for poor women, what it will mean for women of color in this country and losing that access to safe and legal abortions. And like, that's what this is about. And that's what we can change. And that's what we have to fight for. And we have to keep going.
1: Uh So, In that, Amanda, what is it that you're bringing to the table? I mean, it's hard, right? You talked a lot about the kind of pending uh, Supreme Court decision, right, that was already partially leaked earlier this summer. But is there something unique that you're bringing to the table to help us fight?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I mean, my answer, I guess, to that is really just my own personal experience. And I think that it does take a lot of different perspectives um, that we benefit from having a lot of different perspectives and experiences. And as a young woman, a Black woman, a mom of three, a partner, a daughter of um, a woman who, you know, has... was told you have two years to live with breast cancer diagnosis as a caregiver to a mother-in-law with Parkinson's. I have so many lived experiences myself and sort of bringing that authenticity to what it means to be a woman in America and like actually talk about what women in America are dealing with and what challenges they're like facing and trying every single day to overcome. Um, I live that myself. I feel those challenges. I like understand those struggles. And I think that's an important thing to bring into the solution-making, like, into that table, right? And those closest to the problem, like, need to be a part of the solution. And we here at Supermajority have, you know, these, the majority rules, which are beautiful, and um, invite, I dare, like, anyone to challenge this idea that our lives should be safe our family should be supported, our work should be valued, um, our body should be respected, and that our government should represent us. But also, again, those closest to the pain need to be part of the solution. And I like to think that I am able to raise and lift up the voices of other people like me and those experiences. And for even the ones that I don't have, that I have a deep respect and compassion and an like open arms to be able to lift up those stories and those experiences for more people.
1: As we're wrapping up our conversation today, Amanda, just give us the quick and dirty. Like, why do we need supermajority? And how can people who are listening right now get involved?
0: Okay. We need supermajority. This is my one. I've been saying this all day, every day, because my husband has actually, um, he's like, please don't go just like do this. But I'm like, (laughs) I have a primal scream rage all of the time, right? Like there's so many assaults, offenses, attacks on women every single day that make it so hard. And it feels unbearable sometimes and while politicians and like the world might not hear my primal scream they cannot ignore our votes and i want to make sure that everyone you know voting is like the it's not only the answer but it is the single most effective way to demonstrate the will of the people and the will of the majority and right now there is so much at stake so much on the line so much happening at the federal level at the state level and at the local level and we need leaders in office who are going to be Champions for us because we put they need to remember who they worked for, that they need to know that they report to us, that they like we put them in those positions. And then we have to do the work to also vote people out when they are not acting right. (laughs) That is our job. That is also the power of choice that we have. And so I want women to understand, and like this moment literally could not be more important for women to be organizing, for women to be sharing our stories, for women to be marching to the courts to the capitals, and also to the polls. So I, it is my hope that, you know, this idea just around women are voting, which people should go to womenarevoting.com and make sure that they have all the information they need to cast a ballot because literally women are voting every single Tuesday already. Um, and like mark your calendars for November election, but we, we need you, we need women. And it literally is, again, I have crunched all of the numbers here. It is our only hope at winning.
1: And just like that, it's time for our weekly roundup of all the things Lady just ain't gonna do this week. Number one Roe v. Wade overturned. Well, it finally happened, folks. In a 5 4 decision, the US Supreme Court did what we knew they was finna do with an extremist majority overturn Roe v. Wade. So here's how it all went down Last year, the Supreme Court agreed to hear a case known as Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. There was a claim brought by Mississippi's state health director, Dr. Thomas Dobbs, which challenged Mississippi's Gestational Age Act, which basically said you can't ban abortions prior to a certain point. In Mississippi, it was 15 weeks, and that means in that state, under the state law, you could get an abortion before the fetus reached 15 weeks. After that, the state had imposed a partial abortion ban, meaning that you could not provide abortions after 15 weeks except in cases of medical emergency or severe fetal abnormality. Mind you, medical science says that a fetus cannot live outside the womb until between 22 and 24 weeks. That's a difference of a month and a half to two months later than the state law designates. Now, this law was passed in 2018, making existing laws in the state more restrictive. Mississippi already had laws on the books that were banning abortion after 20 weeks. So Jackson Women's Health Organization challenged that law, claiming that it was unconstitutional because it challenged the precedent of Roe v. Wade, which guarantees the right to privacy when it comes to the decision about whether or not to have an abortion. Now, basically, Dobbs lost and lost and lost. And then a new Supreme Court with a 6-3 conservative majority agreed to hear the case on appeal. That's how we got here in the short term. But needless to say, Roe v. Wade has been in the crosshairs of the conservative movement for the better part of 30 years, and this time they prevailed. This decision is devastating, no doubt on so many levels. It's disastrous to the economic well-being of families, of women, and others who can get pregnant. It is disastrous to the physical well-being of people in this country not to be able to make decisions that are right for you and your specific circumstances. It's a devastating blow to our movement, and Lord knows we didn't need to take another L. But, and, Lady is going to tell you a secret. The people who want to ban abortion on the strength of their religious beliefs are not the majority of this country. They do not represent a mandate, not even by a long shot. I mean, the reason we got here, honestly and truly, is because they vote. They vote over and over and over again for the people who share their values. They voted for a maniac to be the president. And then that maniac installed decision makers who would carry that mandate forward. My friends, November is coming. You really cannot do shit right now about the Supreme Court. They're like not an elected body. They're appointed by the president of the United States and confirmed by Congress. There's things the president can do to the Supreme Court, but we'll talk about that next week. You vote for president. You vote for Congress. This November, you will be voting for members of Congress, but you will also be voting for state representatives and municipal representatives. And while it may be less sexy, let me tell you how much power is in your vote. Since that Supreme Court ruling came down last week, state legislatures started passing their own laws about abortion. You vote for all them motherfuckers, and if you are pissed off about the Supreme Court shit, which I most definitely am, you can make your voice heard in your state. And the people who don't share your values can literally lose their jobs in just a couple months, if you say so. I don't know about you, but I want to say so. And I'm going to continue to say so because I'm going to continue to vote and be in this shit for the long haul as long as we have the damn right to. I sure do hope that you join me. So let's fucking go. Sign up with the Black to the Future Action Fund to get involved in making the changes you want to see in your community. Check out the Electoral Action Center from the Black Futures Lab to find out who represents you. Let's get busy. Other things Lady just ain't going to do this week. (sighs) A civil trial that finds Bill Cosby sexually assaulted a 16-year-old at the Playboy Mansion. He's ordered now to pay $500,000 to the survivor. Well, I think we can all agree that Bill Cosby is a predator, can we? I mean, I don't even want to say much more about it than that, but basically this week, a judgment against Bill Cosby happened during a civil trial that concluded this week where he basically sexually assaulted a 16-year-old girl at a party at the Playboy Mansion years ago, like in the 70s. Now, why was she there, the Luddites ask? Well, because he brought her there and her friend. Why did a grown-up bring a child to an adult party? Well, because he was catting off just like he'd been catting off for most of his career until he was put in jail for literally decades of sexual assault. Okay. Predator. Other things Lady Ain't Gonna Do this week. It's been over 126 days and Brittany Griner is still being held hostage by Russia. This week, Griner's trial date was set for July 1st and Griner was ordered to remain in custody for the duration of the trial. It's widely believed that Griner is a chess piece in a very dangerous conflict between Russia and the United States, exacerbated by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the U.S.'s aid to Ukraine to fight Russia. Greiner's wife, Sherelle, was up in arms last week after it was announced that Greiner would be able to communicate with family members. Brittany called and called and called the U.S. Embassy for a scheduled phone call to the tune of 11 times the U.S. Embassy in Russia. 11 times only to find that nobody was staffing the damn phones. At first, she thought it was interference from Russia, only to find out that it was the goddamn United States that dropped the ball. What kind of shit? We know likey. Free Brittany Greiner. Here's what we want more of this week, though. B Wen handily wins runoff race for Georgia Secretary of State, and she is going to face off in November with Brad Raffensperger. Now we talked about this last week and we knew B was finna win and she won and she won like the boss that she is like the kind of win where they called the race for her basically 30 something minutes after the polls closed. B B winning. <laughs> now it's on to November where she will face what Lady thinks is a stiff but not insurmountable challenge going up against the incumbent Secretary of State who honestly only has a claim to fame because he like refused the overtures of Donald Trump to overturn the election. Well, basically, he said, I ain't finna cheat, fuck that. But, look, he's not actually our friend, y'all. He's a Trump voter. He made it harder to vote in the state of Georgia once Black voters started handling business, adopting rules like preventing people from handing out water to voters who are standing in long-ass poll lines. Let me ask y'all something. Do y'all know anything at all about this damn Georgia heat? Now, I don't mind it on my porch— but I do not want it on a sidewalk in a line waiting to vote, especially without some damn water. You know what? I, I can't even break all this shit down for you. Let me see if I can get B on this here podcast, because we need to know firsthand what the real deal is. But needless to say, B is on the ballot and there's a lot at stake. Other things Lady Loves this week, Queen Bay is dropping an album at the end of July. Now, honey, imagine my joy when I woke up on whatever day it was to the news that the Queen is blessing us with another album, honey. And she was gracious enough to let us know it's coming soon. The end of July, to be exact. Now, we know she loves us. And if that album is anything like the single she dropped this week with Queen, Big Frida, we are here for it, honey. (laughs) Other things Lady loves this week. The Warriors won the 2022 NBA Championships. Now, look here. Y'all know, as an Oakland girl, I was not finna forget to say, welcome to the Warriors Invitational. Warriors beat the Celtics in six, and thank God, honey. I mean, what else is there really to say except Bay Area? (laughs) Warriors have won no fewer than four NBA championships, and we ain't trying to rush y'all or nothing, but we always ready for a fifth. (laughs) Other things Lady likes this week is Drake's new album. It's not bad, it just feels like The last three albums from Drake with some house beats. But I don't know. Don't take it from me. I'm not really like a house fan like that, but I am a Drake fan. And I am telling you, we heard this damn album already, okay? Now argue with your mama on this one. It don't mean I'm not finna bump it, but it does mean I am not falling over myself about it. So there is that on that. There's no love notes this week, my darlings. But trust me, we got the fire for you next episode. I swear it, honey, because... Motherfuckers is trying me. Trust me on this one. We're going to have another Love Notes next week. It was amazing to have you on, and we will have you on again to talk about what Supermajority is up to this year. Thank you for joining us. I hope you people who are listening right now enjoyed meeting the HBIC of Supermajority and the badass. Behind the Brilliance.
0: Thank you, Amanda. We love
1: you. Thank
0: you, Alicia. I love you too. Can I say one final um, thought, which I've been um, thinking about for all of my other HBIC women out there, I feel like we're always preached You know, to treat others the way that you want to be treated. And I just want to invite other people into, this is what I'm telling myself this year, but we need to treat ourselves the way that we treat others. And that's Mm. my spin. That's, I think, the word of advice that I needed to hear. I wish somebody had told me that and just want to share that with all of my other HBIC folks out there.
1: You know what? I love that. And voting is one way you can do that, my friends. Voting is one way that you can treat yourself the way you treat others, the way we hold up more oh than God, half I of love the world. That, Alicia. Right? Yes. <laughs> we need to be holding ourselves up by making sure that our voices are heard. Much love to you, Amanda. Thank you so love much you. for being on the show. That's it for Lady Don't Take No, but I will be back here next Friday with a new conversation and more news you can use. We appreciate you joining us, and please, let's keep the conversation going. Tell us what's on your mind, tell us what you like, and tell us what you ain't going to take no more of. On Twitter, we're at Lady Take. On Insta, we're at Lady Don't Take No Pod. We're also on Meta or Facebook or whatever the fuck we're calling it these days at Lady Don't Take No Podcast by Alicia Garza. We post ways to do something about things you hear on this show all over our social media. So if we got you amped up today, check out the socials to find out how you can take action. And let's give a special shout out to Jahari Farrar for making sure the people get what they need from our socials. We appreciate you. Please subscribe and write us a review and let the people know what you've heard here today. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our incredible theme is bilaterics. This pod is supported by the Black Futures Lab. And me, I'm your host, Alicia Garza. Remember, vote, 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 and keep fucking voting. Free Britney is still the shit we on. Bill Cosby is still a fucking rapist. And Drake's album is just I. And finally, Warriors. That's right, I said it. Because lady don't take no.
0: Lady don't take no, she insist on respect the sister. Walk around like a womanish. She won't speak less it's something worse saying, don't play. The girl take herself so seriously. People stare curiously. She got a natural way, her hips wave furiously. Let the luxury
1: love y'all.